0: Good afternoon and welcome to 10 Big Ideas for Economic Reconciliation presented by Business in Vancouver, sponsored by GCT Canada and Ban City in recognition of National Indigenous Peoples Day. I'm Kirk Lapointe, Editor-in-Chief and Publisher of Business in Vancouver, Vice President Editorial at Glacier Media. Our guests today are joining us from all over the province, but we're broadcasting, of course, from the unceded territories of the Coast Salish people, including the Musqueam, Squamish and tsleil Nations. We are honored to have Sequoia Elder Anne Wanok from the Squamish Nation join us now to open our event and provide welcoming remarks. Welcome, and over to you
1: Anne. That means Squam- in Squamish language. Welcome to each and every one of you to the ancestral traditional territories of um, Squamish Nation, my nation, tsleil and Musqueam where you may be zooming into. And also I recognize, acknowledge and honor the First Nations you're all from and where you live, work and play for all um, attendees that may be here. And I put my hands up to you in gratitude on this um, 25th anniversary of um, National Indigenous Peoples Day. And as I said um, earlier today, Every day is Native Indigenous Day for us as Indigenous people, because we're walking in the footsteps of the legacy of our ancestors. And um, remembering who we are, where we come from, our culture, traditions, and languages, and teaching our children and grandchildren i also like to thank all of you who have worn shirts on today in memory of our in in indian residential school survivors multi-generational impacted um indian residential school survivor families and for the um original 215 children found at cap Kamloops Indian Residential School, and now up to 500 who have been found. And our hands are up in sending healing prayers to all that their way has been lighted to go home to creator and ancestor. And um, you're here for a very important reason, to share um, your, share who you are and some thoughts on transferring knowledge as knowledge carriers for um, how we move forward into the future because they always say we have to remember the past, our ancestors and lessons learned, the present, which we're all part of now and building for the future. And I'm going to, in our um, Coast Salish ways, we have the word chen stwike, standing and working together to hold each other up and help each other. And that's what we always need to continue to do, because our old people and our ancestors all learn from each other so that we would um, have success and survival in all that we do, and to do it with Inchomo and squalin, one heart and one mind, and sharing all our different views because they create positive solutions. Um, Our people, Coast Salish, believe we all have an inner energy of force. Everyone always knows I share my baby Yoda. And um, I have um, C-3PO and BB-8 and um, old Yoda here because my grandpa and elders told me when I was 9, 10, 11, 12 and that about our energy, our force we have. And that we receive energy from creator through the top of our head into our energy. And we can send it to each other and receive from each other. That's why virtual um, prayers have always been a thing with our people. And they say, prayer warriors, send my family prayers. And we all start praying for each other, sending our energy, our force. And so I share these words because when I saw Star Wars, it came out. I was like, hey, that force is exactly what my papa taught me and my longhouse elders. And so I've always been a Star Wars fan since and believe in the force. So may the force be with all of you. But now we'll do Tai Chi yoga, breathing. And just ask you to open your hands, relax, get focused. Take four breaths. Um, TotaLaylam Knowledge Carrier said, um, the FNHA Native um, Psychologist said, breathing helps calm you and focus you. Keep your hands open. I'm going to do um sequalia song, greeting of the day, then a prayer and to start the work and then turn you back over to your mc oh while i sing pray for each other pray for your families friends and communities oh, 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 oh. Asking you, creator, to watch over each and every one of your children gathered here today and put a shield around them and all of their families, all of their friends, and all of their friends villages communities nations and help them all with their squall and the feelings in their hearts and minds their emotional mental physical spiritual health and well-being asking you creator to hear our prayers for all our family and friends who need our energy sent to them for their health healing and recovery asking you creator to hear our Prayers and energy are for sent to all those who have traumas and battle alcohol and drugs and also those who are homeless because of their traumas and battles. And asking with our prayers to put a shield around them to protect them and keep them safe and help them find that healing path to wellness and recovery. Asking you, Creator, to hear our prayers for all our families and communities that may be in sorrow for loss of loved ones as uh, and help with their healing as they say farewell to their loved ones going home to creator and ancestors. And special prayers for all the Indian residential school survivors and the multi-generational impacted families of Indian residential school survivors and prayers for all who um, have been hurting for the children being found, to keep healing and light the way for those children to go home to creator and ancestors. And know that our loved ones worry about us left here to do our life journey still. And when we're low in spirit, send us those signs, dragonflies. Many of us believe our ancestors visiting or ladybug hemp hummingbirds or maybe when you're low in spirit and go in a store and shopping and you hear the music and it's a song one of your loved ones really liked and you start smiling and get happy and your spirits lift it spiritual help from the loved ones they're always our guardians and watching over us gang creator watch over all your children gathered here today and let them all have an awesome National Indigenous Peoples' Day, and every day, na- Indigenous Native Peoples' Day for our present and future generations. Tama Kwitsi those are my words. Chen Quim and me, I'm grateful to all of you for allowing me to share part of your day and time. And as my late son, who I lost in 2018 to his traumas and battles, I always used to say top left. From peace, heart of mine, love from my heart to your heart, air hugs, which up yo, you all take care and have a yet one halt, say's off, and excellent work today. And good to see all your smiling faces. Good to see you, Sophie, and Joe, and everyone else, Chastity. Take care and I'll turn you back over to Kirk. Thank you so much, Sequalia. We're
2: grateful that you could spend part of this special day with us. Thank you for leading us in prayer and opening our event. Very special that you could take the time to do that with us today. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Haley Wooden, Executive Editor at Business in Vancouver. We're a leading source of business information in BC with a breaking news website, daily newsletters, a weekly paper, podcasts, and nearly two dozen magazines. And this week, with this event, we are thrilled to launch BIB's inaugural Indigenous business magazine, McCook Peace Selim. It is now my pleasure to introduce my co host this afternoon, Chastity Davis Alphonse, an award winning Indigenous strategist, owner of Chastity Davis Consulting, and the editor of McCook P. Selim. Welcome, Chastity.
3: Thank you, Haley. Um, And thank you Elder Sequalia for being here with us today and opening us in a good way. I'm very happy to be participating today as we recognize National Indigenous Peoples Day and celebrate the launch of this new magazine. It is critical that we create safe spaces in which to elevate and amplify Indigenous stories. That is a driving force behind this magazine, which is entirely produced by Indigenous writers, some of them here with us today, and some of them here who had stories written about them, um, who have helped tell some very important and moving Indigenous stories. With our event today, we are also creating space for 10 prominent and influential Indigenous leaders to share their respective visions for economic reconciliation in British Columbia. Before we we begin, we would like to acknowledge the 215 children who were found at the Kamloops Indian Residential School, the 104 Indigenous children found in Brandon, Manitoba, and the uh, couple hundred, the extra two, I think we're at 572 now, um, the number that I've checked uh, recently, this morning, um, and and want to acknowledge those Indigenous children, as well as those who have not yet been found, but have not been forgotten. We would like to honor them, um, their families,
4: their ancestors now with a moment of silence. Thank you, everyone.
2: Thank you for joining us for that moment of silence. The title of our magazine, Makuk P. Selim, translates into buying and selling in Chinook Wawa and was created in consultation with Chinook speakers and researchers. Buying and selling as an expression of business represents the foundation of our economy today and the foundation of the economies that have existed on these lands for centuries. It is an apt background for our discussion today. We will hear from 10 distinguished guests who will each share their vision for economic reconciliation in BC, along with a big idea for how we can achieve it. We would like to now take a moment to thank our sponsors, whose generous support has helped make today's event possible. A big thank you to GCT Canada and Van City for supporting this important event. Please welcome Marko Dekovic, Vice President of Public Affairs with GCT Canada.
5: I'm pleased to be joining you today on the National Indigenous Peoples Day from GCT offices on the traditional territories of the Coast Salish peoples who have lived on this land since time immemorial. GCT is a proud Vancouver headquartered company tracing our roots and growth in this gateway for over hundred years. The calls to action of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission are clear and we must act now. Supporting today's discussion is but one small step to help meaningfully respond to the call to action number 92 on business reconciliation through dialogue, listening, and learning ideas around economic reconciliation, we all have a role to play to advance our shared prosperity. Haicha.
2: Thank you, Marco and GCT Canada. Next, we're going to hear from Christine Bergeron, President and CEO at Van City. Good afternoon, everyone.
6: It's my pleasure to welcome all of you today. I am joining from the unceded territories of the Coast Salish people, the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations, and I'd like to thank them for being custodians of these lands for thousands of years. Van City is proud to support today's conversation, an important conversation that all of us in Canada need to be having. In 2016, Van City adopted reconciliation as one of our core values because we wanted to support the work of reconciliation in a meaningful way. It's been an important journey for us, one that has and continues to require learning to view our business through a different lens. On behalf of the entire Ban City Group, I wish you a productive gathering and look forward to learning how we can support new solutions for economic reconciliation and how we can build a clean and fair world together. Thank you.
2: Thank you again to GCT Canada and City for supporting this event.
3: And a special thank you to our guest speakers who have all generously donated their time today. Our first speaker is Sophie Pierre, a prominent Indigenous leader who has dedicated her life and career to the advancement of Indigenous peoples. She served as elected chief for 26 years of the St. Mary's Indian Band, as Chairperson of the First Nations Finance Authority and as Chief Commissioner of the BC Treaty Commission. She has been recognized with the Order of BC, the Order of Canada and the National Aboriginal Achievement Award in Business. And I'm happy to call her my friend, my mentor and and just really welcome you here today, Sophie. Over to you.
7: Thank you, Chastity. Thank you very much. (laughs) <laughs> me. Good afternoon everyone, it's a real pleasure to be here with you today and um, I want to start off first of all by <clears throat> thanking Anne for that prayer and um, for sharing that song. It always brings me back to uh, what became my second home for a while out on the West Coast and I I do miss it. I also want to just say to everyone online and all Canadians, happy Indigenous Peoples Day. What a wonderful day it is today. Not only because we have this incredible event and we are, um, and I'm here personally to congratulate Chastity, you and, and your entire team, all of all of you that have worked so hard to realize this dream. And, you know, when all of us, as, as we go through life, we always have these dreams. And once you realize them, it just feels so good. And I'm happy that I'm here with you today to be able to congratulate you and to share this awesome day with you. Business in Vancouver, in um Highlighting Indigenous business is something that uh, this is a, a good time and a good place for it to be coming forward. I know that many people have worked very hard for this, and in fact, Indigenous people have taken a greater and greater role in the the business, um, just the the whole environment of business in in Vancouver, in in the Lower Mainland. And from there, throughout this entire province. A magazine is another way of sharing information. One of the basic principles that we all have as human beings is the need to communicate with each other. And as indigenous people, we take very seriously our responsibility of passing on knowledge. And that's what I see that that's the purpose of this magazine. And so I, I just raise my hands to you for this accomplishment that we we'll continue to find new ways. I know you have all those other kinds of ways that the kids love. <laughs> well, anybody that isn't getting a pension for me as a kid now. <laughs> I recall when I was very young, I used, that, um, I used to, um, I mean, my, my, my stepfather, he was uh, 30 years older than my mother and he always said that and i always thought it was really funny and i just love being able to say that now so those of you not getting pension your kids <laughs> but i just you know i want to say that the um, the responsibilities that we have of passing on knowledge is such a foundation it's it's so important it's such a a major um, value that we carry on and so whether it's through the media, um, all the incredible ways of doing it tech- technically. I want to say an, a special thank you for keeping something on paper that I can actually hold and read. <laughs> that that to me is very, very meaningful. So I want to say again, thank you for, for what you've done and congratulations. The, um, today, we're all here to witness and to participate in this recognition and this celebration, and you know, there's um, something that that um, as I was serving as Chief Commissioner, that I always shared with everyone, um, as often as I could, and I still do so today. That economic well-being is a basic value. For all human beings, including ourselves as Indigenous people. In fact, it's one of the most important values that we have looking out for each other, ensuring the benefit of all. And so, what I want to share with other Canadians is that it's just, it's so, it's such a basic principle and it's so um, easy to understand that when the Indigenous people of this country, when they are doing well, when they benefit the whole region benefits, the whole province, the whole country benefits. And so really it is in everyone's own personal interest to ensure that our value for economic well-being and providing for our families and our communities is supported and celebrated. And I believe that that is what is happening today. Earlier today, I just came back actually. It was, it started at, uh, at noon our time because you know, we're always ahead, we're always an hour ahead of the rest of you guys. <laughs> but we were um, at noon at uh, this morning, I, I was in a ceremony at the city of Cranbrook, where the city of Cranbrook, that was incorporated in 1905 as a city, um, as a municipality, today raised for the first time the Ktunacha flag alongside the flags of the city, the province, the country and even the United States, because of course, you know, all of us are such close neighbors. So that's what we were celebrating earlier today. And I see that as yet another way of ensuring that the recognition that we're, we're all together. It's like, you know, the old saying, we're all here to stay nobody's going to be leaving we're all here to stay and what benefits one benefits all and that's how we need to continue to looking at looking at this and ensuring that every indigenous person in canada has an opportunity to be economically self-sustaining has an opportunity for providing for their families and their communities and in doing so canada is a much stronger country so for each and every one of us, I want to um, say again, thank you for letting me participate today. Thank you, Chastity. It's so good to see you and I I follow you and I'm so proud of you. Um, and and many of the other people that are on, on this call, Cheryl, you too, and others, um, and Celeste, <laughs> hope things are well with the Commission. So thank you very much for including me today. and. Um, Yay, Indigenous Day, thank you.
2: Thank you very much, Sophie, for kicking off our series of speakers and joining us today. Our next speaker is Regional Chief Terry T.G., who is serving his second term as Regional Chief of the BC Assembly of First Nations. Today, he will be discussing economic self-determination and free prior and informed consent. Welcome, Regional Chief.
8: Thank you Haley, Hayley. Uh, First of all, I want to acknowledge the territory I'm calling from the unceded, unsurrendered, continually occupied territory of the Dakel people, in particular the Claytley Tane. I want to thank you all the panelists, all business in Vancouver, and all the sponsors for this opportunity to say a few words in terms of uh, economic re- reconciliation. I too, uh, wearing an orange shirt and uh, you know participating in many activities over the last Months in regards to the finding of uh, the graves of 215 in Tecumlips to Sekwatmik uh, territory, uh, the Kamloops Indian Residential School, and, and also recognize that um, the other children that have been found were finally hearing their voices, and finally that this issue, in terms of not only residential schools, but the treatment of Indigenous peoples is getting its due attention. And it is all connected uh, in terms of uh, economic development. We have to remember where this country was born from, and we have to remember the the terrible history that has been imposed on Indigenous peoples in order to move forward in a better way. Uh, Many uh, understand and know that the the reservation system, um, the, the taking of our children, into residential school system, the sixties scoop are all related. And in many respects, it was, uh, the purpose of, of economic development. Why were we taken off of our lands was to utilize much of the natural resources that came out of Canada, out of British Columbia. And this is why, uh, in this modern day and age that, uh, Uh, many of the social issues that we're really um, trying to deal with such as 60 scoops and the millennial scoop and and also you know the many social issues that we're seeing uh, the homelessness we've never seen so many in uh, urban centers with uh, homeless people is all born through uh, the many policies the genocidal policies that were imposed by canada and uh, many levels of government so In order to move forward, I I think, um, as the wise words of of, uh, the late uh, Tewa Tooth leader Leonard George said, you know, much of, of what we're dealing with here is the sins of our fathers. But the issue here is that many of those are still benefiting from the sins of our fathers. So that's really what we have to reconcile here. And uh, I, I think, you know, moving forward, as we look at the genocidal policy, we, we can't be afraid to use those terms. And as it states in the United Nations, the definition of, of, of genocide, killing members of a group causing serious bodily or mental harm to members of the group. We've certainly experienced that in the 150 years, deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part imposing measures intended to prevent births within the group that certainly happened in residential school system forcibly transferring children of the group to another group that continues to happen so these were this is like the definition of of genocide within the united nations however to counter the issues of genocide that have imposed on indigenous peoples the last 150 years is the recognition of the United Nations Declaration for the Rights of Indigenous People. And here in British Columbia, Bill C-41, and federally what we're seeing, uh, which will come to Royal Assent in the near future, is Bill C-15. So as we reconcile or pass and we move forward, certainly economic development is a part of that discussion and gaining access to our natural resources and and more involvement in terms of development within our respective traditional territories. Governments, all levels of governments and including industry need to come forward and need inclusion of indigenous peoples. And as I spoke in the legislature of free prior and informed consent, it, it really is an important discussion that you need to have with Indigenous peoples if you want to do business within their territory. Free, prior and informed consent means that all levels of government create that space together to make decisions together. It isn't a veto, no government has a veto. So we need to create that space and come together to really make these decisions together. That's what it states within the United Nations Declaration Rights of Indigenous Peoples Act. And that's what we're really trying to breathe life into. And as we move forward, as we continue to to have these really important discussions, especially now, we need all levels of government and within government, high levels of bureaucrats, including um, deputy ministers, assistant deputy ministers to start changing the culture in legislature and in parliament to create that space so we can have the alignment of laws and really reconcile the laws within Canada with Indigenous laws. That's what's needed in order to move best forward. And as as, um, Sophie said, you know, the more that we have an inclusion as Indigenous peoples, the benefits stay in that region. We certainly know that many studies have come out that stated that if you have an Indigenous community right next to an urban center or a town, the vast majority of the of the benefits stay there, so it's really important that municipal governments come forward and have those arrangements made with the local indigenous peoples. So I, I just want to to thank you all for. I know this we we all have a short, limited amount of time to have this important discussions. And what I see with this with this development of having a magazine that can carry on this discussion, this really important discussion that needs to be had and how to do business. I congratulate you Chastity Davis Alphonse on this endeavor of a new magazine. The discussion doesn't end here. Finally, finally that, that uh, you know, we haven't seen uh, this moment, this perhaps watershed moment in the discussion of, of our children We're we were, we're not done with the truth telling. And we're certainly not done with the healing. So as we move forward, this country, as well as our respective uh, communities and and Indigenous people in this country, have to come together to heal this terrible past. And as we move forward, move forward, we certainly need to be part of that discussion in terms of economic development and move to, in order to move in a better way. So I believe this magazine is going to be a part of that conduit and, and really that truth telling and how indigenous peoples are taking their rightful place, taking their rightful place in terms of economic development. So with that, I wanna thank you all. Masai, Maasai Nodisji, Natalia, thank you all and happy indigenous peoples day.
3: Thank you very much, Regional Chief, for your important words and your wisdom and your continued advocacy and work on behalf of First Nations people in British Columbia. It's an honour to have you here with us today and and to have you representing us not only here in the province but across Canada with your many years of um, advocacy and leadership. So thank you so much for taking the time for being with us here today. Next, we are joined by Cheryl Casimir, who is in her third consecutive three-year term on the First Nations Summit political executive. She is former chief and counselor of the St. Mary's uh, First Nation, and looking forward to hearing from you today as well. Cheryl, welcome and over to you.
9: Thank you, Chastity. Um... First of all, uh, I want to start off by acknowledging the prayer and the song that was provided to us by Elder um, Sequelia. I hope I said that properly. Um, I'm also calling in from the unceded territory of the Tanaka peoples, um, home in my own community of Akam, just down the road from where uh, Sophie Pierre is. Um, Also, uh, Chastity, really want to congratulate you and your team um, for this event, as well as for the magazine, and looking forward to receiving a copy of that sometime in the future. I'm going to be talking about economic reconciliation and what that means to me F- through the lens of my role as a political executive with the First Nations Summit. Our mandate, of course, is supporting those nations um, to negotiate treaties, agreements, and other constructive arrangements. So, um, economic. Uh, Reconciliation is a form of reconciliation in action. It's about building opportunities for all peoples to achieve their full potential and shared prosperity. Um, It also begins with uh, increased understanding, particularly relating to Indigenous economies. Um, For a while, um, many years ago, um, the federal and provincial governments used to look at Indigenous economies through the lens of a contribution agreement and it was economic development and we used to say as Tanaka when we were having our conversations about this was if the federal and provincial economy was based on a contribution agreement what state would our what the economy of this country and this province be so why is it expected then that Indigenous peoples would have to um, try to realize a full economy on a contribution agreement of course Um, You know, you still receive certain payments to do economic development within your your respective nations, but it's a lot bigger than that. And so, um, it's understanding, and it's been said already, that healthy Indigenous economies um, equate healthier provincial and federal economies as well. Some examples. So, for First Nations, um, a major facet of reconciliation is, of course, the recognition of our rights, the Recognition and Reconciliation of uh, Rights Policy for Treaty Negotiations in British Columbia, which I refer to as the Triple R Policy, was approved by Canada, BC, and the First Nations Summit back in September of 2019. And that policy, it provides for the recognition of Indigenous rights entitled, including inherent right of self-determination of Indigenous nations that are participating in the BC Negotiations Framework. While our title and rights are not contingent upon Crown recognition for their existence or for us to be able to exercise them to overcome the legacy of Crown denial, Crown recognition of Indigenous title and rights is a necessary starting point for building a new nation to nation relationship with Canada and British Columbia. And so the policy provides the requisite uh, recognition of Indigenous titles and rights that will facilitate the building of a new relationship built upon recognition and respect. The policy also establishes the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples as a foundation for the BC Treaty Negotiations Framework. And the policy authorizes federal and provincial negotiators to negotiate treaties, agreements, or other constructive arrangements that address the rights of Indigenous nations to free prior and informed consent and redress including just fair and equitable compensation. Moreover, the policy affirms that treaties agreements and other constructive agreements, or sorry, arrangements are intended to provide for the implementation of the declaration, as I mentioned again, including rights to redress and free and prior, free and prior <laughs> informed consent. <laughs> So treaties are constitutionally protected agreements and they remove First Nation governments from the Federal Indian Act. They provide for um, a land base, resourcing, lawmaking authority, jurisdictions related to their lands and their people, culture and public services and rights, of course, related to our fishing, hunting and gathering. And they create a foundation for a renewed relationship and a positive and stable climate that supports social development and economic growth. Now we know that not all First Nations in this province support the BC Treaty negotiations framework and have chosen other means to address these issues related to rights and some of them come in the form of the reconciliation agreements that the province has recently been entering into with nations across the across the country. So what it is, what's my big idea well it's to encourage um, the business community and industry to support reconciliation efforts between the Crown and First Nations including the treaty negotiations framework, because supporting this work and the achievement of treaties agreements and other constructive arrangements will lead to greater indigenous prosperity and economic health, which in turn leads to a more prosperous provincial and federal economy. So again, I thank you for the opportunity to share some of my ideas on what economic reconciliation is all about, look forward to hearing from the rest of the esteemed panelists on this topic. And thank you again, um, Chastity, for having me as a speaker. Daha.
2: Thank you very much, Cheryl, for joining us. Our next speaker was scheduled to be Chief Don Tom, Vice President of the Union of B.C. Indian Chiefs. Unfortunately, there has been a local emergency. We just heard from him, so he's unable to attend. But we did want to acknowledge that he was excited and looking forward to participating today. Thank you, Haley.
3: And we send him all the best and his community all the best at this time. Um, and our next speaker is Dr. Judith Sayers, President of the New Channel's Tribal Council. She previously served as Chief of the Hapachasath First Nation for 14 years and as Chief Negotiator for 15 years as well. Welcome and over to you, uh, Judith.
10: Thank you, Chastity and thank you to Anna for that beautiful prayer and song. And happy Indigenous Peoples' Day. Today is a day to celebrate being Indigenous, but also to remember all of the things that have been talked about previously. When we talk about economic reconciliation, we're talking about preparing a future for our children and our grandchildren and many generations to come because we have to build something for them. And that's how I, I do it. And that's what I, I think about all the time. You know, economic reconciliation requires the BC government to live up to UNDRIP and their own declaration on the rights of Indigenous peoples, which means the right of self-determination, the right to freely pursue our economic development, as well as the right to development within our own territories, and the right to own, manage, develop, and use our lands. And those are the basics that we need to start to, um, to continue on our development. I'm passionate about clean energy. I've been working in clean energy for a long time. Right now, there is absolutely no economic opportunity in the province for First Nations unless you have a treaty that says so or a reconciliation agreement. And when we did it, there were so many First Nations that were excited about being in clean energy and the BC government decided to build site C and cut off all opportunities and therefore just stopped us in our tracks, all the things that we had built and capacity. And First Nations continue today to develop clean energy in their communities, um, but just for their communities. It's, it's not an economic opportunity like it used to be. We did a survey some years ago, and at that point in time, there was $7 billion in investments that First Nations wanted to build projects, $7 billion. And that was only half the nations that participated in the surveys. So can you imagine if we were able to do that? So what do we need for economic reconciliation and clean energy? We need the opportunity. Number one, the BC government promised us, Horgan said when he approved site C again, that he would give us the opportunity. And how many years ago was that? We need the opportunity, we need the opportunity to develop utilities, and we can compete with Fortis and BC Hydro. I mean, isn't that what this world is about? Competition, entrepreneurship, and I think that's what we need to um, to focus on. We need access to the grid, retail access, so we can sell our power. And you know, um, I think those are some of the few things that we need. And so um, we only have three minutes, so I'm going to be really quick here. Uh, Really hope to be able to see us and, you know, need people to support us in pursuing economic development and clean energy and in many other places. But our right to development requires us, our right to self determination requires that. And I hope to see many First Nations building utilities and serving power, clean power, to everyone around them. So thank you for this time and the opportunity. Thank you, Chassie. Great to see you all. And um, yeah, so for Indigenous Peoples Day, tweet at the Prime Minister, tweet at, tweet at Oregon, and say, give First Nations an opportunity for clean energy. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity.
2: Thank you very much, Judith, for joining us and for issuing your own call to action at the end there. Much appreciated. Our next guest today is Chief Joe Alphonse, who has been Tribal Chairman of the sil National Government since 2010 and elected Chief of the Kleding Co-Government since 2009, making him the longest elective chief in history.
0: Welcome, Chief Joe. Thank you uh, for giving me a chance to participate in this event. I think this is huge. Um, my name is Joel Alphonse um, and um, I'm chief for my community and also Teixoteen tribal chair, 12 years as chief and, um, and uh, nine years prior to that, I was the executive director for Teixoteen National Government. Um, my, uh, my role there was to, when I started tribal council as a fishery worker, was to work and try to get Aboriginal title. Nobody had won the Aboriginal title. I said I set that out as a goal. We accomplished that. Um, so many things are tied to to winning title as indigenous people. You know, we stood outside um, um, before we entered the courtroom, Supreme Court Courtroom of Canada, and we were encouraged not to proceed for if we lost, we were going to make it harder for everyone. But our approach was we need to come forward. We know the story. We know our story. And we're going to tell it. It's whether or not Canada is going to look at us and see us as people. Finally, we got that feeling. We won title. And, I, you know, I think that's, that's, that all starts to level that playing field. You know our title case started with dispute over over logging we're, we're a resource driven country and before contact you know we 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 were very active in business you know we we relied on all the natural resources in our territory to be self-sufficient one of our favorite trade items was uh, an peak obsidian rock used to make arrowheads you're going to find Peak arrowheads in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, through the territories, Northwest Territories, Yukon, as far south as New Mexico. That's how far our trade routes um, went before contact. So, you know, I think it, it is uh, economy and getting back into business. And you know, we were, we've been we've been locked up on Indian reserves. For too long, we're breaking those fences down. We're we're getting out there. We 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 we've been given recognition that we're um, that we have a say out there. So there should be no activity in Indian country unless we give consent to it, and we should not allow anything to happen. And have the confidence to to do that. You know, we got today. the majority of business is done without any involvement from indigenous people, those times are changing. So, you know, I encourage people to get out. Um, I think, I think part of, um, part of, part of, uh, part of our story is to tell it too. So Makukpeet Salem is the opportunity to, to, for us to tell our story and, and um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, entrepreneurs uh indigenous people there's an indigenous culture so so it's a chance to showcase them and brag about them and and that's what that's what our our careers are about is to 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 make sure that when we're done our careers that we we're leaving something that's better better for the next generation um to come you know economy is uh is strength and every Every First Nation community and nation should be involved in some some form of uh, um, resource extraction to generate their own revenues. When we have our own stream, then we're not relying on, on on governments to to develop programs for us. We we can solve our own problems. We need to generate our own revenues. So, just to be a part of this, I, I thank uh, Vancouver Business for. For, for for coming forward and recognizing the need for this for for all the hard work um, chastity and her team have done I think this is uh this is just you know it, 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 we're here to inspire young people and that's what this is about so I'm just glad to be a small part of this and uh, wish you guys all the best and I thank our elder for for the prayers for the 215 and all, all the bodies that uh, babies that um. We're finally, uh, finally, finally recognized. So uh, happy Indigenous Day to, to, to everybody else. Thank you.
1: Thank you
3: very much, Chief Joe, for making time to join us today for this event and for also contributing um, a piece uh, in P. Silem. You're one of the columnists, so thank you so much for your support and your continued leadership uh, within your nation and across the province and and Canada as well. Thank you so much. Uh, Next, we are joined by Celeste Haldane, Chief Commissioner of the BC Treaty Commission, She served as an elected commissioner for six years prior to her appointment as chief commissioner in April 2017. She was reappointed last May, and it's wonderful to see you here, Celeste, today. Thank you so much for making the time. Over to you.
4: Thank you. And first, I wanted to uh, thank Business in Vancouver for uh, graciously inviting me and listening to such incredible panelists. I feel very uh, grateful to Uh, be participating today and again want to recognize uh happy Indigenous Peoples Day and uh, with that it's why So I wanted to focus a little bit on uh, the sharing of sovereignty which includes the sharing of prosperity and recognizing that for too long Indigenous peoples have been left out of the economy and I know that's shifting I know that's changing but I don't think we're quite there yet At the same time, we continue to see resources leaving our territories. And so when I think about the true sharing of sovereignty, that comes from a constitutionally protected treaty, agreement and other constructive arrangement. And by that crowns must vacate their jurisdiction and their powers to then transfer to the indigenous nation. So the nation is now in control of those powers and jurisdiction. And with that includes economic control over their territories and resources. And in order for the true sharing of sovereignty, it must be achieved through self-governance, which means the Indian Act no longer applies, the colonial policies and practices of the past no longer apply to these indigenous nations and constitutionally protected modern treaties, agreements and other constructive arrangements are pathways there. They're not the only pathway, but they are a pathway to economic reconciliation. And so my call is to have uh, crowns when Indigenous nations are ready, vacate jurisdiction, vacate power. As well, we need the support of industry to continue to support Indigenous nations, self-determination, self-governance, so they can prepare their economies in a way that they see fit, ensuring that their communities are taken care of, our future generations are taken care of for the nation, by the nation. Thank you.
2: Thank you very much, Celeste, for taking the time to join us today. We really appreciate your participation. Our next speaker is Merle Alexander. He is hereditary chief of High High Nation, a leading Indigenous rights lawyer and member of Queen's Council and the principal of Miller, Titoral Co.'s Indigenous Law Group. He contributed an analysis of the impact and potential of UNDRIP in BC to our Indigenous Business Magazine, and he joins us today to discuss UNDRIP and the constitutional right to prosperity. Welcome, Merle, and over to you.
5: Well, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, of course, I, I begin by uh, acknowledging the elders. Sexway prayer and in, in, in speech for us. It gives us pause and certainly there's much need for prayer these days. Um, prayer heals and prayer empowers us to move forward. So thank you very much for that. Um, I, um, I'm with you from the Lekwongan and Wasanich title territories. And I'd like to acknowledge, of course, the leadership greatness that's preceded me before speaking. So I'd like to very quickly speak about um, a few things, which is one, just to quickly breeze over the Aboriginal economic rights test to touch on as many of before me taught the application of UNDRIP in the economic context. And third, maybe balance around a few big ideas. So on the Aboriginal economic rights test, I want to think one of the things that people don't actually is sort of been missed in much of the Aboriginal rights discussion is that since 1996, the Secret of Canada has actually affirmed that there are three Aboriginal economic right categories. There's food, social ceremonial sale, trade and barter for livelihoods, support and sustenance, and often known as moderate livelihood. And then third, as the Natal and the and the will know well, the sale, trade, and barter for a commercial nature. But I don't think people like appreciate like that our Aboriginal rights are act that our economic rights are actually constitutional in nature. I mean, it's been elaborated even further. And of course, we have uh, uh in both Delgamuukw and Sikotin that have said it a bit in other sort of in some in some ways sort of vague language, but still very empowering language that every Aboriginal right, particularly title, has an inescapable economic aspect to it. So, I mean, that's very powerful. Like there are no other peoples in Canada that the highest court has recognized have constitutionally protected economic rights. And there's a real powerhouse to harness here. So, secondly, another big sort of like thing that's that's going on for us right now is that we're at the very infancy of of a tremendous empowering implementation of ANDRE. And BC, I think, as many have sort of touched on, BC is going to be the sole jurisdiction where both the provincial and federal crown have agreed to make all laws consistent with ANDRE. So, I mean, on the economic like. On the economic lens of, 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 of UNDRIP, there's Article Three that connects the right to self-determination for us to pursue our economic development. Article five speaks to the right of our economic institutions. Article 20, the right to mean and develop our own economic institutions. Article 21, that the right without discrimination to the improvement of our economic conditions. And then lastly, which is sort of much more of the targeted component is the requirement of states, in our instance, the Crown, to take effective measures and special measures to ensure continuing improvement of our economic conditions. But that's a lot of articles for us to harness. And I don't, so far, I don't think UNDRIP has really been particularly looked through that lens. Everyone gets distracted by the conversation of veto rights and requiring informed consent. And that, those are still very important, of course, have very direct connection to economic, Leverage, but I mean there is a lot of a, a lot for us to harness, even just in the implementation of UNDRIP on economic rights. So let's talk a bit about application. Um I think we should consider that Indigenous peoples have at least two very powerful arms. There's a substantial economic rights arm on the one hand, on the one arm, <laughs> and the and the consultation, intergovernmental, and co-jurisdiction arm. I think the, the empowered idea, I think, is really to fight with both arms but, and not with one hand, one hand tied behind our backs. The substantial economic rights that need to be determined by our, have to be indi- determined by our indigenous knowledge and our own indigenous legal orders, if we're going to really fully be informed of the applicable law. I think one universal knowledge and wisdom is that unlike other other types of economic development, we have a built-in sustainable development requirement preserve our territories for future generations. So title requires us to ask ourselves, will this economic development deprive my children and grandchildren of their future rights? And that makes us very unique economic players. On the, further on the co jurisdiction arm, UNDRIP is gonna create an empowered future, not because governments are altruistic or that they even strictly follow the spirit and intent of their own law, but because we are relentless where we are advocating for our children's future and we take it personal, familial, and collective. On co-jurisdiction, other expectations, I think are that within a generation, Canadian laws will be consistent with UNDRIP. It It will take time. It's frustrating because you cannot ask anyone to be patient with racism or colonial mindset. So you can understand we're frustrated. We wanted it to happen yesterday. But we will, I think we're going to be reforming laws, co-drafting partners over time, and this is going to treat dramatic change in the legal and economic landscape. In other words, I think our economics in BC will be through a true ESG lens. And to quote our learned sister or brother, we're going to add the I to ESG. Um, we'll also herald like a trend of joint ventures, impact benefit agreements and equity participation becoming drip and ethical- compliant. We're going to create the most legally certain jurisdiction in Canada, and if not internationally. When you invest here, you'll know that the law is settling or settled, and it will, it will be what treaties once promised, real but dynamic legal certainty. Finally, I'd say that revenue sharing will be dramatically expanded. If consultation created minimal sharing of forestry agreements, ECTAs and mining, PBAs and LNG, I think free prior informed consent is going to raise the bar. It will be a wealth transfer, but it's also going to be a wealth reinvested As Many before me have said BC First Nations spend in their own home territories, and I think that makes us very unique. So big ideas and some, some food for thought for everyone. Thank you very much.
3: Thank you so much, Merle, for contributing your expertise to this event and for the thoughtful article that you wrote on the implementation of UNDRIP uh, for this um, edition of Indigenous Business Magazine, P. Salem. And thank you for that thought-provoking discussion on uh, Indigenous people being the only uh, group within Canada to have their uh, rights uh, protected within the Constitution, um, in regards to economics, and that's something really profound for everyone to think about so thank you for that. Our next speaker also contributed to this magazine, Dr. Kim Vanderward. She is the founder of Reciprocal Consulting. She has a PhD in psychology from the Simon Fraser University, and her contributions to research, communities, and business have been recognized with multiple awards and distinctions. I'm very proud to introduce you to Dr. Kim Vanderward, who's a very good friend of mine and uh, looking forward to hearing from you this afternoon. Kim, over to
6: you. I'm a Namki's woman from the Killer Whale clan. I share with you the name my grandmother gave me at our family's first potlatch. Um, I could not agree more with all of the panelists with their visions for economic reconciliation. I raise my hands to all of you. I'm so honored to be here today and expressing um, huge gratitude to Elder Sequalia for starting us in a good way and to Chastity Davis for your vision to center Indigenous, uh, the original inhabitants of this land and their entrepreneurial spirit. For as long as I've known you, Chastity, you have had a deep-rooted commitment to changing the narrative of who Indigenous people are. And I also raise my hands to the business in Vancouver uh, for hosting this event and publishing this inaugural magazine. This in itself is an act of economic reconciliation and a way to change the narrative of who we are. Indigenous people have a history of being entrepreneurial since the beginning of time with the core value of taking care of our families and our communities. Colonialism interrupted that, Um, the 14,000 years of gracefully stewarding our lands. And despite this, there are over 50,000 Indigenous businesses in Canada and Indigenous development for small and medium-sized businesses is growing at a pace of nine times, nine times faster than other small and medium-sized businesses in Canada. Indigenous-led and Indigenous-developed businesses have higher retention rates because we don't have to compromise our identity and what we consider success. Of course, there's many pathways to entrepreneurship, one being through our education system and business schools, So my my big idea, but it's not a big idea, but it is, is to call on all education systems to consider how they provide training and authentically create space for Indigenous people. Indigenous business and language and programs ensure that uh, we can create our own economies with our values, needs, and interests centered in them. As Sophie Pierre said earlier, when we benefit, the whole country benefits. Um, finally, economic reconciliation is making a space to redesign our metrics of what we consider success, and I, I am calling on all of us to center well-being in this, to consider um, economic models that don't put our, our, our planet um, in jeopardy, to revive Indigenous languages, and to rematriate the economy where we instill long-term thinking that takes care of each other.
4: Ila Castela, thank you.
2: Thank you Kim for joining us today and for contributing to our magazine as well, an important piece that touches on your remarks today, the role of expanding education and the connection between education, entrepreneurship and economic reconciliation. Our closing speaker is Paul Biglin, co-owner and co-president of Spirit Bear Coffee Company and One Nation Distribution. He has more than 30 years of experience in food and beverage and marketing communications. And he joins us today to discuss the topic of procurement. Over to you, Paul, and thanks so much for joining us.
11: Well, I want to first, Hila Kessler, thank the elder for doing such a beautiful job on the song and the prayer and setting the groundwork. Um, in, in other words, this is the way, if you know what that means. <laughs> um, you know, I, I didn't uh, have an awful lot of time to prepare for this. But, you know, one of the things that uh, as, a, as a private company, a uh, spirit bear comes uh, privately representing the Xin nation, Tanaka nation, Métis nation uh, with its ownership. Um, you know, 15 years ago when we started our company, they told us we'd never survive. Uh, We were told that by some of the largest coffee companies, distributors in Canada, who have now become our biggest distributors. Um, To have a seat at the table is important to us. Um, And I had an opportunity to read some of the latest statistics on Indigenous business that I'd love to share quickly with you. And it's eight in 10 Canadians recognize Indigenous businesses strengthen the country's social fabric, according to the new national ledger, 77% of Canadian corporations should include Indigenous owned operated businesses in their supplier networks where possible. 71% of those corporations should help Indigenous entrepreneurs take their businesses to the next level. Critical. Seven in 10 Canadians believe that the ongoing supports for Indigenous companies, such as training, mentoring, and long-term strategy for Canadian corporations means success. 65% of those companies doing business on or near First Nations, Inuit and Métis lands should obtain services from those Indigenous businesses wherever possible. One of the things that we've always asked is, you know, whether we have a seat at the kitchen table, the coffee table, or the boardroom table, um it starts in our own communities and that conversation wow. um you know recently i had an opportunity to to visit uh the, the ken Loops area where we were involved in feeding the community for four four to five days so that they could focus on the healing um i think now more than ever um It is time that the country looks at indigenous businesses as a a value that they can't do without, that they need to form part of their structure, part of of their foundation. Um, That's my big idea is let us in, let us have that seat at the table. And I really thank you for uh, getting me in at the last minute.
3: thank you very much paul for joining us today and for sharing your thoughts on the important role of procurement and having a seat at the table as indigenous peoples i love that at the coffee table the kitchen table the board table wherever that may be and thank you so much for supporting our relatives and to Kamloops during that time so that they could be fed and nourished um, and giving from the kindness of your heart Um, That's what our people do. We step in and we are generous people and we support and hold each other up. So thank you for bringing those values forward within your business and in your life. Um, And thank you to all of our speakers today for sharing your thoughts and your visions for achieving meaningful economic reconciliation in British Columbia. These are issues and ideas that must continue to be shared and discussed beyond, beyond National Indigenous Peoples Day, and beyond National Indigenous History Month. We need to normalize the these conversations, we need to create more space for them. we need to have um, that seat at the tables, uh, so that um, we may continue to uh, be uh, thriving, successful nations and peoples. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing all of you continue to lead us toward truth and truth and toward reconciliation in this province and in this country, as all of you are uh, leading in such important ways um, for our communities and for our people. Some of the themes discussed today are shared in in BIV's magazine Makuk P. Salem, which is out today. And I'm excited to have been a part of this inaugural issue. And I encourage everyone here today to check it out either online, um, or to order uh, your hard copy as well. So thank you everyone uh, for being here today and over to Haley for some closing comments.
2: Thank you very much, Chastity. We just shared a direct link to the online version of the magazine in the chat. So I encourage everyone to check that out. Hard copies are being distributed through our weekly paper this week, but you can also get in touch with us if you would like another hard copy. This coincides with another initiative we're running this week. We launched our Indigenous Business Leadership Podcast, which is co-hosted by Chastity and the team at BIV. The series features important conversations with leaders, including former Tawasan First Nation Chief Kim Baird, Heisla Chief Counselor Crystal Smith, serial entrepreneur and Tawasin Shuttle CEO Stephen Stark, and the President and CEO of Fortis BC, Roger Dalantonia. The first episode is out today and can be found on our website at BIV.com. Slash audio. We have it there on our screen. Another thank you to our sponsors, GCT Canada and Vance City, for supporting today's event. The full event will be available online shortly. And I'd also like to thank all of the team members at BIV who helped make it today possible. That includes Albert Van Santvoort, who has been responsible for all the technical support we needed to put on virtual events like this one. We also owe a big debt of gratitude to Chastity, who has worked in partnership with BIV to develop our new magazine, our podcast, which I just mentioned, and to pull off this event. Conversations for the magazine began well over a year ago. So thank you, Chastity, for the time, care, and insight you have contributed to Peace Piselem and today's event. And a final thank you to our speakers for sharing your time and insights with us. And finally, thank you to everyone in our audience for taking the time today to join us. We wish you a very happy National Indigenous Peoples Day.